We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It feels like Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast, live from 2020. I'm your host, Eric Carlo, and I was first podcast of the decade. We're going about, what is it, Brian, like 70 years strong doing this podcast? Um, whatever that year was that LeBron made that game-winning shot against Indiana. Okay, so Brian is a, a historian of Heat Beat, of course. We've been doing this a long-ass time, and we're welcoming you to the year. 2013, I think. That yes, was it was 2013, game one against Indiana. That was our first show. We've been doing this for a long-ass time, and it's really fun to start another decade to another another decade of Heat Beat. You know, you guys are stuck with us. We're here for the long haul. Uh, that voice you heard, of course, is Brian Goins, producer and co-founder. Also with me today is our Saucy Nuggets insider, Mr. Lefty Leif. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Uh, one of the OGs of Heat Beat and uh, one of our newer members, and by newer, that was like four years ago, the one and only anime lover, professional photoshopper, Brass Jazz. What's up, everybody? I like that that's like your your thing, like the what's up, everybody. I was actually waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, I like it's, it. It's not very creative, but it's whatever. I'm in on it. So uh, the audience, we've, we took a little holiday break. You know, sometimes we as podcasters, you know, we deserve a little time off. You know, it was the holidays. We had family. We had people in town. We left town. You know, we had a lot of stuff going on. So we're back. What do you mean? I was with you for like a whole day. Brian spent a whole ass day with me while I Christmas shopped and didn't buy a single thing. Sounds terrible. That I sounds bought a yoga awful. mat. I bought one thing. And then we watched the Raptors game in a parking lot of a Target. That was fun. We? <laughs> Uh, a lot's happened. The last show we did was against the Philadelphia, the the win against the 76ers. Um, 
Oh, they've actually won again against the 76ers. The one in, in Philadelphia was the last show we did. Correct. Lots gone on. Um, Kind of, you know what's interesting? I think where the Heat stand from that point to this point, I don't really feel much different about them. They have some good wins. I mean, they blasted Toronto at home. I mean, that was... I mean, that defensive effort that they put up, that was probably... I went on a Raptors podcast yesterday, and they were saying, telling me that that's probably the worst Raptor game in history. Like, what the Heat did, that just stifled them. They could not get around the Heat zone. Uh, Spolster's been very willing to go out doing that. Uh, Hassan Whiteside came back to town. We're going to get into that later, because I know that a lot of takes here, especially with Leif and I. Um, The return of James Johnson in the lineup? Mm. That I want to get into later. Uh... Two weird losses to uh, a bad Washington team with everyone injured. And, uh, of course, their toughest test in the East is the Orlando Magic, who the Heat, for some reason, can't beat since LeBron left. Guys, and we got it's, breaking it's been... news. Huh? And we also have breaking news. We also have breaking news, and I kind of want to start there. Uh, Leif, tell, tell the people what you wrote. Um, well, just heard that Derek Jones Jr. will be participating in the uh... – dunk contest at all-star weekend in Chicago. So um, thought that that was definitely something Heat fans would want to hear. And, uh, you know, we've been waiting to see him in the contest last year. We thought he would go, I think it was last year, right? And then he got injured through, he got you know, right before the contest. So he couldn't, couldn't participate. But this year it looks like he's going to uh, get that opportunity. Brass, did he get hurt right after you asked him? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked him, I asked him prior to the game at the garden last year. Uh, <laughs> yikes about it and then yeah he got hurt in that game yeah that was fun did you watch in horror from press row <laughs> i felt pretty bad i mean <laughs> not that i had anything to do with it but yeah yikes <laughs> oh my so God. i mean you know shit they play they play at the garden on sunday i know excited are you gonna be able so, to go i just hope it's you know, not TV? gonna be uh, a, a second second go around uh i don't know i mean the 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 heater and uh they play at barclays on friday and the garden on sunday you'll be at the barclay game right Probably. I, I, I hope so. And I hope Photographer for five reasons. That'd be sports, the better game anyway. Jazz. It's a heat yeah. home game. It's a heat home game. Um, man, the, wait, Leif, uh, Leif, Leif, is there something else you could tease about Derek Jones Jr.'s participation in the dunk contest? Um, oh, he may or may not be um, bringing somebody who uh, has been called a bucket out onto the court, but we we'll see. None of that is confirmed. It's just, you know, whispers that are, that are floating around. That could be, that could be one of two people, Leif. Could it? That could be one of two people. Two guys are, two guys have bucket in their nickname. So I, uh, you know this what I is, mean? I don't, I don't which know, one has the best drip. Ooh. Oh, that's also tough too. That's also tough. I mean, both of, both of those guys have good drips. So I'll let the audience kind of figure that out until that gets bucket reported. Um, guys, I really want to start the show with the James Johnson minutes because they were very, it was a very productive 20 odd minutes. Uh, Spolster said post game that he gave him the game ball. Um, surprising that, you know, he played, I think six minutes prior to that and he looked really, really bad. Uh, and I think we had even talked a little bit on the podcast about like, it, it just looked so abysmal in the beginning of the season that we kind of figured that that guy just couldn't play anymore. And credit to JJ dude stayed ready. Stayed, stayed ready, and that guy came in the game completely, like looked like his old self. looked looked great. Another guy to help bring up the ball. Another guy for physicality, for rebounding. And I think a lot of us, uh, Leif, I thought he was not going to play another game for the Heat. Yeah, it like, was I thought that tough. was done. 
like like JJ is that guy that I thought would be able to reconcile and get back out on the court because he had bought in so well. Dion was a different story. There was a lot of um, animosity there from from the injury forward. So you thought JJ would get back on the court. It was the biggest mystery probably that nobody talked about why he wasn't playing. It was good to see him contribute because we we need his ass. We're we're like in a spot where KO is really struggling. I think that's a topic in itself. What the hell are we going to do with Kelly Olenek for the balance of the season? Do you look to move him? Um, But you hope JJ can absorb some of those minutes and contribute because his skill set is what they need, Um, particularly, you know, some of these matchups where uh, you you got a guy in foul trouble. It it just can get really, really um, thin up in the front. So uh, good to see JJ play, but I didn't think it was going to happen. James Johnson went. 18 consecutive games without getting on the court. So he was caught off guard when Coach Spolstra called his name midway through the first quarter Sunday. Quote, when he called my name, I was just as surprised as all of you guys. That was Anthony, right? Anthony Chang of the Miami Hill reported that? Uh, I mean, it was a media scrub. It was a scrub. You can't just credit Anthony. I wanted to credit Anthony. Anthony's our homie, and I saw him Mm -hmm. tweet it. So you know what I mean? I wanted to give Anthony credit. Check out his mailbag. If anything, we can credit um, Alf, because I, I did see him post that video clip on. I was gonna say maybe it it's Alex has the video or something. I don't know. I don't know who those people are. They're I don't. I've never heard of Alex or Alf. <laughs> oh wow! wow. I've never. I don't oh, know who they are. Um. Uh. So, you know, JJ gives them a lot of what Justice gave them, right? Like I think that the stuff, the physicality on defense that he can guard bigger wings, a ball handler who can also rebound. Um, I think the rebounding has taken like a, a, a bit of a dip lately as well. I don't have numbers, but it's just good old-fashioned eye test. Um, and he gives them an edge, man. And I think that uh, they've fallen out of the top 10 in both offense and defense recently, um, which is, you know, a little concerning. They've maintained third in the East. Uh, they've kind of eked some wins out. They've had some funky losses that they haven't really had all season. So I think this is the, the, the season's kind of leveling out from their incredibly hot start. They're still dominant at home, not a great road team uh, with losses to Orlando and uh, Washington on the road. Uh, so that's it's leveling out though, but it's leveling out in a good way. Like I feel like when, when you said earlier that from this, from now to the Sixers win that you feel the same about the team, um, I, do. I, I agree with you. And I actually think that that's really, really good. Like that's a positive thing because I was feeling pretty damn good about them that night. And um, they're playing just uh, like a good team does. And there's obviously going to be ebbs and flows of a season um, where you lose games or, you know, you don't get every single one of them. Um, and I think that we're overreacting to some of that because we're trying to figure out, is this thing real? Is it, Are they as good as we think they are? Are they really a three seed? Are they really an Eastern Conference Finals contender? Uh, so we're like, we're still kind of flinching. Is that is this reality? But I can't. I think they're kind of proving that it is. So let me play a little <laughs> devil's advocate, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Brass. So Miami is currently third. Boston has been completely unable to make any kind of separation, even though Miami stumbled a bit as of late. Uh, Toronto is hanging in there, and we have to remember that they're incredibly injured. Um, and now Fred VanVleet's also going to miss games. No, we don't. Philadelphia is completely in disarray they've lost four straight as of this podcast and right now they're in a dogfight with oklahoma city as we're recording this they're three and seven in their last 10 indiana it's kind of stumbled they've been five and five and the heat beat them uh recently and then brooklyn's just so out of the picture so like the teams under them have been really really struggling i think philadelphia is the one that you're most scared of catching them at any point but they've just been in total disarray um 
Boston not been able to keep separation. So Miami, even though they haven't really played their best ball uh, in December uh, with some with, with some funky losses, they, they're still there. Yeah, <clears throat> they're a good team, and I don't think there's any question about that. They, um, I, I think the difference between now and the start of the season is now they're a little more susceptible to those trap games. I think you know we're we're well into the season now, and and I think they they know that they can they can really win the games when they really put all their effort in. But then I do think they just get a little gassed and they take their foot off the the, the, the gas, and uh, and then that's how you get a game like Orlando. Although we've had that same game play out, I've watched that game since I, the I mean, a million yeah, a million <laughs> times. Um, but that Washington game, that was I mean. You can't really take anything from that. I don't know what but, to do with that. No, you. But that's the th- no. But that's the thing. Listen, we've had a couple. We we have had no, a couple. To who? To those wizards that I don't even to, remember their yeah, name. To the bench guy that I still. What, don't, I what are their names? Name. Here's the th- yeah. I know what they're name. Like one their, of those people. Six top six players. Or it was it was but and uh, like honestly, if you put that in like the most like ridiculous, uh, <laughs> just no reason to lose game. That's on like the Mount Rushmore of that. I, I mean, honestly, that's honestly, awful. guys, I think me, uh, Gianni, Alex, and Alf, when we played against all those media tournament people at our uh, all those games, I feel like and those Kristen. people were probably better than what they threw th- out. Uh, you could, you Garrison could Matthews. That. That's what this cat's name <laughs> is. Oh, I know. Bro, I remember prior These to that game, I, I had the seen the report because I think this is Barry or somebody had tweeted out like all the wizards on the injury report. And I'm thinking, cool, fantasy opportunities for some rando guard. And uh, I'm looking through and I was like, I don't know who these people are. And they all average 2.2 points a game. I go, which one of these do I take? Which so one's like going to be the one to dollars And then, yeah, it was, it was Mahimi. I knew I should have got Mahimi. Mahimi's such a legendary heat killer. Should have got Mahimi. But that's the thing. So. You know, with these games, they it's kind of meaningless. You don't you don't really have a takeaway in the years in the last few years when you lose a game like that. We're like shit. This you just get angry. This is is problematic. But no. But then the next night, I mean, we've yet to you know knock on wood, we've yet to lose a back to back game, which this far into the season is super impressive. And the home record, you know, lost one game at home. There is so many positive things to. We didn't lose that game, Brass. We won that game. Get your facts straight. Yeah, the Laker game. Yeah. <laughs> Brian saying the refs be cheating. Yeah, that was some. Well, every, every game is home cooking when it's LeBron involved. <laughs> the two true. Minute, we are we are undefeated at home with the two minute report with adju- yes. Adju- yes, the, the advanced statistic I like to call adjusted for two minute report. Pace adjusted two minute report. <laughs> the guy is with, with an asterisk. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, I, I saw. I think it was Nikias posted earlier today that the Heat have now fallen outside of the top ten on yeah. uh, offensive on offense and defense. Um, but they're still a, a fucking three seed. They've had a couple, you know, mind-numbingly stupid losses recently, and they're still right in it. And they're they're just they're they're good. They just gotta they just gotta keep it rolling, man. And and once they get Justice back. Hopefully, the way he's tweeting, he's ready to come back soon. Bro, Bro his tweets get, have been legendary. Let's get let let's let's go there because Justice Winslow is a not uh, is a non active tweeter. Uh, he is not anymore, guys. Not anymore. Uh-uh. Justice has changed. His last tweet might be the best tweet of all time. I'm, I'm pulling it up. What is it? Yeah, what, he's that the tweeting tweet? like these young kids on Heat Twitter tweet like the same way. 
Justice Winslow, how one does my guest us. bedroom one do better us. toilet paper than the master bedroom? Next time, I'm going to just have to make that walk. But I was in a rush. What a, Justice <laughs> oh better, man. What God. a legend. What a legend. I, I mean, until like, I don't know, the last, I, I, that tweet makes me question it again. But like, I, I was like, is, are you, are we sure this is him? But then he He's posted fix, uh, like, the fix with Bam and stuff. So I think it's, it's legit. It's legit. Hell, him and Bam and are, yeah. And then uh, somebody asked him, because uh, uh, him and Bam, of course, you know, they swam with dolphins today. Because that's what you do in South Florida in, um, in December, in January, excuse me. Uh, you Must swim with dolphins. Nice. And somebody goes, he can swim with dolphins, but can't hoop. And then Justice goes, felt like you needed to see this. Boys ain't really do no swimming in the water, to be honest. Dolphins kind of just drug us. Enjoy the night, Walter. And he sends like a like a Google search about like what muscles like you use during swimming and how it's different than basketball. It's just he's great. Like, do we think yeah. Justice just lost his password or something and he just recovered it? Right. I, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Historically, I mean, the Heat have not been um a fan of a player using uh, a lot of profanity in the media, like just historically, that's how it's been. And I was initially kind of shocked at how much they let Jimmy just let it fly all the oh, time. Dude. Um, and it's kind of cool. I actually like it. I, it. It's, it's an endearing quality of the interviews now, but um, so maybe justice is letting his uh, like, he's spreading his wings a little bit, taking cues from Jimmy, but it, it just, it came out of nowhere. It's like, he never tweeted. Um, and now all of a sudden he's dropping f bombs and and you know saying all kinds of erratic stuff. Yeah, he's tweeting like tweet he's in a from, playoff game. Yeah, tweet from ten hours ago. Actually, Brass, you should read his tweet from ten hours ago. I feel like your voice would be better suited. You oh, know, know the the best thing about like not the best thing, but rather like I do think I'll that you, bro. a okay. lot of this probably can come from if you've read Anthony Chang. We've talked a lot of Anthony on this podcast today. Anthony wrote a great story. It was last year about justice and his relationship with social media. And like how fans treat him and fans, the bus, this stuff, the fans are really mean to him on the Internet um, because he's hurt because his jumper doesn't look the way they want it to. And they kind of ignore all the other things he does on a basketball court. And like we know how good he is, but sometimes fans aren't really like so great about it. And he talked about like how that's difficult for him and how it's affected his mental health. And maybe he just got to a point and this is speculation He's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm hurt. Like, people are slandering me. They're, they're, they're calling me names. Like, there's, you know, rumors are, are kind of floating around. Like, I, I'm just going to go on social media and let it fly. Like, screw these people. Like, new year, new me. Yeah, I feel like I, one of his issues is, is has been yeah, confidence. And, I, I mean, it's like he just got it back, man. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Also, going back to the heat real quick, like, I know the organization is not a fan of this kind of thing, which is why I'm completely dumbfounded as to why the official hashtag of the team is hashtag heat twitter this season yes because that's the most ratchet place in fucking twitter it's the most and ratchet place on earth it's crazy are you kidding me like, we were born from putting horse penises on people because we got someone, mad at them someone got fired for that it's yeah great. this is like a new generation of folks that are using that hashtag i like i like the yeah it's not the same it's listen Times times have changed from the days of spoon. You know, I love explaining to people, like, um, you know, like what where I came from, like what my community on the internet was, and where we are now. It's so fun, like just to tell the history of E Twitter. And they that, that has to be like, what the hell are you talking about? We need an oral history of E Twitter. It's like honestly one of the most fascinating things because like it was it was something kind of born with the big three era and the way that that team was covered, and it kind of is an easy transition. There's something I wanted to talk about. 
So Zach Lowe did a podcast with Dan Lebetard, uh released today. And it was kind of retrospectively looking at the heat in the 2010s, how Lowe felt that, you know, in a lot of these think pieces about the decade, that the heat were kind of ignored. And he didn't feel like they deserved to be because that was like they were dominant for nearly half the decade. And they they were they set the, the tone. Right. And he had Dan on who justifiably is, is the foremost expert in Miami sports like that. Dan is our guy. And I. I know that we talked a little bit about this pre-show. I just didn't feel like the podcast did a great job in really talking about what that team actually did for the league at large. Like, you know, Dan, you know, and I think people locally kind of know how Dan feels about that team and like the stuff he says, the stuff that we've heard for years. But I do think that the the low podcast really ignored, surprisingly, because Zach is so good with this stuff, like how not just the Heat kind of kick-started small ball, which, you know, Dan Tony kind of started in the Heat, uh, went into overdrive, but just like this idea of how player empowerment started with the decision and how it's morphed into everything else in this league since like every, like this summer, I think is the biggest is like the final form of whatever the hell LeBron started and how that team and the way that Riley kind of, you know, hoarded salary cap and waited. Right. And just like, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like that, now, that style whole- of team building. This whole era of team building, I think, was was all about that 2010 summer. And, like, the 2010 plan, like, that was, like, the first time that you had multiple teams gearing up for one offseason. And then, like, those guys kind of initially years ahead kind of thinking about playing together and then coming together. And then, you know, just the, the heat index and all that. When I listened to that podcast, I, I mean, obviously I have high expectations because, you know, Dan and Zach Lowe, like they're going to be able to wax poetic on that kind of stuff in ways that I could only dream of. So I had high expectations and I was a little let down just because I felt like there was really big implications league wide, Um, even culturally, like in the league, like with D Wade and, and LeBron and them being such close friends. And then like you start to see more buddies wanting to team up. And really like working to do that, like that, that stuff that I, I don't necessarily think that that team gets credit for as being real trailblazers in the league. And they wore the black hat like they were and they did talk about this, like they were very willing to be hated in the beginning. And I know that it took a to- it took its toll on them. But that team, you know, people <clears throat> I actually wrote about this when the Warriors kind of were in the middle of that 72 win season and they, they came into play the heat. And I remember writing that people tune in to see if the Warriors will lose, right? To see, like, can they actually lose? But the heat of those four years, people were watching because they wanted them to lose. That's a big difference, right? How people just completely hated that team, how people criticized the city for just how we are, for being late to stuff, how just... Every, everything about, like, that team was criticized. Even the fact that they wouldn't even say, like, where the damn team name was. Like, they kept calling it South Beach and that annoyed locals. And how that, that you know, the first year, like, nobody ever picked them to win, like, playoff series. If you guys remember, like, everyone on ESPN, there's memes of everybody picking Boston that first year and Chicago. You know what I mean? And how, like, alone he Twitter felt and, like, how this community was kind of born in this insulated space of, like, okay, bleep you. Like, you don't like us? Like, fuck you. Like, let's go. That first year, I mean, if you're outside of Florida, I mean, just the entire country was just wanting wanting the heat to fail. And that, like, you know, you never forget that. And so when I sit back and I look at all the love to the Lakers right now, 
it just infuriates me. The Heat oh, nationally, so nationally, well, and na- also yeah, like nationally, his the Lakers are just and those loved. Warriors teams, all of them, like they all got applauded. And then the initial team that kind of started that whole domino effect of guys sacrificing, whether it be roles, whether it be money, um, they got they were villainized, you know what I mean? And then all these other teams are applauded. It's just bizarre. Well, I, I don't mean, think the, the Warriors... guys in Cleveland even sacrificed money. Now, I could be wrong. And if somebody please tweet us and correct no, us. Dan Gilbert paid everyone. They, they, LeBron made him pay everyone. So, like, this team gave up, like, legit money. Like, all those, like, Miller was given. And then I, I know the role guys in Cleveland did give up money. But, like, the the, the Stars did it. And Golden State, I know that that uh, that they were able to build it because of Steph's kind of very favorable contract. That I think Draymond didn't take the full max when he was eligible. So, they did. But, you know what I mean? Like, they, their kind of unselfishness is forgotten. You know, how they, and by the way, Udonis won them a damn playoff game in the conference finals. Like they really wanted to keep him and Dwayne gave up extra to keep Udonis. And like, they were really rewarded <laughs> with that, even though his foot got hurt that first year and he was never really the same after. Speaking of rewarded, wasn't it rewarding not to have a son Whiteside in a heat Jersey last yeah. night? I saw somebody on Twitter say that he, that he fans uh, treated him like, um, <laughs> like uh like like Cleveland did LeBron and I didn't oh, realize yeah, that batteries that batteries were being thrown at him like what a Come fucking on. straw that, man that's the Let biggest me, you mean Barry Jackson tweeted that right did Barry say that a lot of people yeah. got sounds upset. like it was, like, sounds like it was tweeted with someone with like a, working out at a gym in his side are we being serious right now like they no, no malice was exchanged it's just you're booing a guy who had you know he had poor effort he didn't live up to expectations. He was sulky, you know, so th- there's reasons why fans would identify with those things as being negative and then let him know about it when he's on the opposite team. It's ridiculous the way that everybody is uh, pointing moral compasses at the people that are, you know, having a little bit of fun with the return of like a maligned athlete that came through. It's just, you know, it's a damn game. Yeah, I felt it bad for him. They weren't deafening. It was, it was just, it was, it was like playful booze. And I still think that um, the, the booze probably wouldn't have happened as much if it weren't for the whole we got shooters thing. I mean, that thing was a d- direct uh, direct hit at, at Miami. And, and, you know, and we got so many shooters. Yeah. <laughs> All we have is shooters. We have Finally. so many that Kelly Olenek is shooting 40% it's and just, they can't even find room for him. Yeah, that's the universe validating that his ass doesn't need to be on this team. And I mean Hassan when I say that. <laughs> I, I felt bad for the guy, and I'll, I'm going to say why. Um, imagine you're here, and at the end of the day, Hassan is a success story. Hassan is as much heat cult, a product of heat culture as he is the antithesis of it. He is a guy that, you know, had, you know, alleged attitude problems coming out of the draft, had the gifts, but never was able to put it together. Um, you know, guy in the G League, or I think it was the D League at the time uh, when they, when they when they mm-hmm. when they pulled him out, signed him, wasn't really getting playing time. Slowly but surely, worked his way into the lineup. If you guys remember, early on, all he did was foul like every damn possession, and he really fixed that. And you know, maybe he didn't improve in the ways that fans wanted him to, but he did improve his game. He was a really good player while he was here. Uh, fans really embraced him that first year. I mean, that the, the triple double with blocks, the two K rating, that was stuff that we liked. No, you know, and that, that that I agree with you, man. Like he, he was he did, have, he did have good moments, and at the very beginning, all of us like romanticized that entire situation. We thought, oh my gosh, did, big. We, did we just get a next, you know, another superstar fall in our lap? 
And that's the whole thing about it is that he could have literally been the greatest example of this heat culture shit that we talk about. He kind of like is. He, yeah. No, he kind of isn't. From because nowhere. Like there's and a he got, certain he, intangible element to that. There's there's like a there's a another gear you got to get to to really embody that. And, and he didn't have that. Like and that's that's the sad part is that he had the talent. He had the, the physique to do it. And he just couldn't put it all together. And I don't think it was as much about physical ability as it was uh, a willingness to like to figure that kind of thing out. And that's just frustrating when you max the guy out. And Riley got killed for that a lot. And obviously, I'm a Riley apologist. So <laughs> imagine if you're Hassan and everything I just told you is, is so right. Like he has this huge success story. He finds a professional home. It's everything that he's ever dreamed of. You know, thousands of fans cheering his name as he stands at center court, grabbing his 30th rebound or whatever the hell incredible thing he was doing that first season, right? Like, imagine you have reached the pinnacle of your dreams for a, a, a for a, an A-plus organization playing next to one of the 25 greatest players in Dwayne Wade with Chris Bosh as your teammate. The Heat trade for Goran Dragic because they believe that you're so good that we can make a damn run at LeBron James, right? Like... This is what's swirling around him. This became his home, and I can't imagine how special that must have felt and the connection he has to that. And then the relationship with the fan base sours. Everything's very public. We we kind of decipher as X common is shot shot at Hassan. You know what I mean? Like from the within the organization, from everything. And he comes back to a spatter of booze, barely any cheers. The fans boo him every time he touches the ball. Man, I feel bad for him. That must be sad. That must hurt your feelings in a way that really sucks. And credit to him, like he put up a, a good statistical game as he always does. Been on every band pump fake as he always would. <laughs> um, but I felt bad. Like he in that locker room, he sounded sad. Alex, um, that person I don't know who works for Five Reasons Sports, uh, he got he tweeted out at Tropical Blanket, uh, if that's even his at, uh, about you know Hassan talking to the media in in the visitors' locker room. He looked sad, and I felt bad. Even though I understand why the fan base is upset with him, the effort stuff, the, the not living up to the contract stuff, the whining, the complaining about Spo, the, the really bad comments after games when he doesn't get playing time, the being bad pick and roll defender in space and they have to stash him and he can't stay on the flick. I get it. I get it. It was, and I'm it not was saying, mild though. Like, like, I, he, he it, it clearly hurt him. Like I'm not like I'm not reprimanding the fans and be like, oh fans, like you know you can't do that. Like no, like I just saying that like, I felt bad for Hassan because I no, I, know and I if, agree with you and, and like let's not act like all of us have had the opportunity to have twenty thousand people booing at you and um, a lot of people can act like they don't care what other people think about them, but that until they're put in that situation, man. like so so there's some validity to what you're saying. You know what I mean? That that probably okay. did suck. But by the same token, he's set for life. And I also think that we have to remember that, as Riley has always said, this is the toy department of human affairs. It is. So, like, nobody's coming after that guy as if, like, we want him to fail as a human being or anything like that. So, like, people look into it in a deep way like that, and, like, they forget that it's just entertainment. We've all booed for stupid shit before at Games, man. Correct. Like, we've all, we've I all booed been Bam there. for blocking Kyle Lowry. That's the stupidest reason anyone has ever booed. <laughs> That's that's why you go to sporting events to cheer your team and boo the other team. I mean, Listen, Johnny, let me know when you really go to a game so I can Ref, fucking boo you. Refuse, refuse, suck is a yeah, great thing yeah, to chat. Yeah, I quote Justice Winslow to you uh, when I say this to you, Gianni. What the fuck is we doing? 
There's a lot of periods everywhere. A lot of ex, you know question marks. Just tweeted that. That's I love Justin tweet. Smith. Yeah, love you he's know, guys, like he's inebriated. Can I? Can I? Uh, can I say something? I think Vulture. Winslow might be a top five player of all time for me. I like love that guy. Like I, I maybe because I'm so in the tank for him, and maybe I'm just I'm too I'm too deep into Justice Better. I want that guy to succeed so damn badly. I just want him on the court to play well because, like, I I want like Justice Winslow, the person, to succeed. Not even just because the team needs him, and God, do they need him? Um, but I just really want him to succeed, like, just as a person. Like that guy's awesome. I mean, I was thinking this earlier today. I I don't really understand how there's still people out there. Uh, who think that when we get Justice back that the team gets worse. And there are people that actually believe that. And that's fucking crazy to me, man. Look at any lineup combination, Brass. And I did this the other day, and I was tweeting about it. By the way, Justice is third in uh, differential and on-off plus minus. Like, in, in terms of when Justice is on the court, they do this. And off the court, they do this. He's third after Jimmy and Bam. So let's put it like, and I think preseason we all said he's the he's the third best player, right? Like it, as this was happening while he was playing, we were like he's arguably the third best player on this team, um, and those numbers bear that out. And every lineup he's a part of, he's make any statistical evidence reflects that he impacts winning in every way. And if you look at you know we've talked a lot on this show about Goran Dragic, you know them kind of sometimes losing minutes with Goran on the floor. That's kind of leveled out there, outscoring teams with Goran on the floor. However, they're better with him off. If you add Justice Winslow to those lineups, however, they're like running teams out of the water. Any player that you think is like not playing that well, and you put Winslow next to them, the numbers are incredible. Kelly Olynyk and the defense you put Justice in, suddenly the defensive numbers are totally fixed. Same with Goran. Some teams have offensive issues, and you put just like that guy is a fucking winner. He's a winner, and maybe the jump shot might not be perfect, and obviously that's going to be problems in the playoffs, and like those are legitimate concerns that you have as a fan, right? Like I'm not, I'm not here to say like everything's fine and dandy in Justice Betterland, and like he doesn't have to get the jump shot right because you know this is not, you know what I mean? Like we don't do it to Ben Simmons, we're not going to do it to Justice, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like we're, we're equal opportunity guys, right? Like you know we're going to slander Ben, uh, but you know that guy's Jimmy a winner. Bell- Jimmy that Butler's guy's a shots off, too. You think he'll be I'm back really on, on Wednesday in Indy? Bro, I hope so. I, I don't know if they start him on the road. Although they did last time after he was missed some time, and they started him against Houston, which was just like suicide for that guy. Poor Justice, man. He played pretty good in Toronto, though, right? And wasn't that yeah, he played great. following that game? Yeah, he played awesome. He was he was one of the reasons yeah. why they won that game in the Jeez, fourth man. quarter when shit got tough. That, him, guy was, that Swiss Army knife shit that he's got going on, that's exactly, exactly what they need. It's just kind of somebody they can plug and play anywhere. And just to get guys breathers, do different things. Um, they need a little bit of everything. They need an Correct. extra ball handler. They need an extra defender. They need an extra guy to initiate offense, right? So they need like a little bit of everything. And he's kind of that guy. They need a guy who's number one in PDQ. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, should I explain that? That's so inside, man. Jesus. I want to explain so that. Inside. It's like, so. <laughs> Uh, our, our own uh, this inside this is so inside but uh jack alfonso uh one of our writers and podcasters uh we were kind of joking uh, making up stats so jack made up a stat called pdq and just said justice is like leading the league in pdq or something and just tweeted out some nonsense tweet in like 27.4 or something and said like he just made up a bunch of stuff and everybody was retweeting it and be like see look justice is good and it's like it's just so funny how it just shows that nobody's paying attention to what these metrics really are and uh you know ultimately what is TPA? test probably is the one 
What is TPA? I don't know. Do I retweet it when Bam is like really far out of the graph? You bet your ass I do. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I subscribe. Numbers are are great to have. You know, you can learn a lot from numbers, but it doesn't doesn't always tell you the whole story, though, man. No. Um, You know, and to me, this season, a prime example of that is Goran fucking Dragic. Because his numbers... They will tell you, talk to most numbers guys. They're like, oh, yeah, defensively, he's, he's just, he's a real he liability. Is. He he's is not. And that's that's fair. But man, look at Goran last They night. need him. He has the guts. That was outrageous. Yeah, is he shooting like 42% from three? Something crazy like that? Well, he was seven um, at seven at 10. Dude, he's last taking night. like step backs, and I believe they're going in. Yeah, yeah. He's playing great. He's exactly what they needed. He's embraced this role. Um, I, I heard a story that they talked to Goran about how Jimmy was going to really be a lot of the functioning point guard in the first unit. And that, you know, obviously with justice being there as well, that would be another guy, but that Jimmy was going to do a ton of that. So they thought that, you know, a bench role would be the thing for him. And, uh, and he embraced it, man. And like, that's like, that's that culture shit. That's like where you see a guy taking it to the next level on some, uh, you know, you might get a tribute video. 41% on six attempts. Um, that guy's a lifer, right? Hope oh, so. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna help us win a championship. I do, would you consider well, Goran a which lifer? Which is which? Which is yeah. why he would give us. We would give him a tribute video. Hassan didn't get a tribute video, and that's another reason I felt bad for him. Really? Did, he I, did not get a tribute video. Gee, gee, not even Josh Richardson got a tribute video. He don't give tribute videos on. You're right. You Josh didn't get a tribute video. I'm outraged. He got a loud pregame introduction, though. Would, uh, would Josh's tribute video just <laughs> be him stepping cheer. out of bounds? <laughs> Did the Sacramento Kings give Hassan a tribute video? <laughs> Yo, I think you guys are really sleeping on this tweet. Which one? So Justice didn't play much this season, but when he did, he was number one in the NBA with a 25.6 PBQ. <laughs> Only other players post-merger to have above a 25.5 PBQ. Number one, Gary Payton at 25.7. Number two, Michael Finley, 25.6. The Michael Finley is what makes it funny. Jack is so good. The Michael Finley is what sells it. <laughs> it's like Justice Michael Finley, Gary Payton. I'm sorry you've never heard of player defensive quotient. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I promise yeah. you every coach in the league knows it. Hey, but yeah, next time we talk to Justice, we should ask him if he knows that he leads the league in PDQ. And, th- and this is why all of the organizations throughout the league take this podcast seriously. Oh, my yeah. God. PDQ, man. Leading the league in PDQ. Wow. That's, it's a good sounding number. I believe it. Jack's going to be really pissed you expose this. Oh, my God. I want him back, man. Like, they really need it. They, they really need that extra ball handler and stuff. Um, you know, so I went on. I mentioned this a little earlier, but I went on a I went on a uh, Raptors podcast, and we're kind of talking about trade stuff. And I, I'm kind well, of. Why the, are we talking about the Raptors? Tread lightly. Tread lightly. I'm just. Bro, I'm, I'm kind of whipping this around because something. Cut to the chase. Bro. I'm talking. I'm gonna bring up. I'm, it's about the Heat. That it was. We were we were talking about trade stuff yeah. in the East, and I've kind of been of the opinion that the Heat are gonna like kind of look for a move. And I gotta be honest with you, the more the more we get into the season, I don't really see what the Heat can really do without sacrificing that twenty twenty one flexibility. 
that draft pick that they have is incredibly it's probably more valuable to them than it is to somebody else because that's their only real like non-salary chip that they can move they don't have other second round picks and they don't have any other immediate draft picks i don't know maybe they can swap olenic and have some consolidation at that position and maybe get a wing maybe kind of swap olenic for another player uh, with a similar kind of deal now you're on that could be but that that's kind of like the only thing I can really see because like honestly like the the, the idea of moving Dion or JJ I just don't think it's gonna happen. I just well, think this, that this is what complicated. Gonna have to wait those contracts. This is what complicated the whole trade thing. Well, I mean, one obviously the team's given and we said I'm gonna keep saying it over and over. They've given us no reason to really make any trades, but with Dragic playing um, the way that he's playing and the role that he's in. And him being the big balloon expiring contract that you would have used in most of these deals, it's kind of like you're in a weird spot. Are you really going to move Dragic in any of these trades? I mean, I mean, obviously, if it's a really, really, really great player, you would. But in some of the proposals, like even for Drew Holiday, I kind of flinch at that idea of losing Dragic and getting Drew Holiday. And how much better do you really, really, really get? Um, so that's what kind it's of usually Dragic and none. Yeah, I mean, right, like, like then you're kind you of, uh, I don't know about that. I, I feel like it's going to come, uh, you know, a little outside the margins in terms of like Kelly Olenek and, you know, maybe you can attach, um, you know, would they kind of punt on KZ Apala and attach him to somebody to get rid of a guy? I don't think so. I think you kind of would, now that Dion and JJ are playing nice enough to come around the team, you kind of just let that ride out. Um, DJJ, are you going to be able to pay him this summer if you have all these teams with cap space and nobody to really go spend it on? Is he going to get overpaid? So you're going to need to maybe want to recoup something for him, but you kind of need him because he's playing. So they're in a weird spot. And so I kind of agree with you. I don't know that I see a deal to be made. And if I do, it'll be a smaller one. It'd be like a, like a kill. And I think honestly, a lot of teams in the East are like that as well. Cause the Celtics don't really have a deal to make either. They don't have any contracts that they can move. And the only one that's really movable is smart. And I don't know how willing they're going to be to move Marcus smart. Indiana, we know is kind of like in limbo with the Victor Oladipo stuff. And we know that they're kind of a penny pinch organization. We don't really know what's going to go on there. Milwaukee might be the team that could upgrade. Um, but you know, that's kind of a question mark as to what they can really do to kind of nuke their continuity. Um, and Toronto's kind of in a similar position to Miami. So you look at all these other teams that are kind of in Miami's weight class. Philadelphia might be a team that might want to do something because it's just gone so awry. But like really, like what what are really their options? But I just Andre don't think it's going to be as active moved. a trade deadline. Some people are predicting that it's going to be more active because of 2020 free agency and that they don't think a lot of guys that are slated for 2021 will actually get to that spot. So like maybe that'll speed up the timeline and guys will get dealt or you'll have like a lot of shuffling of deck chairs on Titanics around the league, you know, just trading pieces. But so we we say it's going to be slow and watch everybody get traded, but um, it does kind of look like I'm always wrong. It's always the opposite. When we right. think it's going to be busy, it's it's slow, and when we're going to slow, it's busy. I just, I, I for Miami, I don't really see what they can do. Um, I don't. I I think and Leif, you bring up a good point with DJJ. I really wonder if he has some sort of affinity to the organization that he might take a little less to stay. I think he really likes it here. Um, I think that he appreciates. But then, are you what, are you re-upping DJJ and Goran? 
I think we know how I feel about Derek Jones Jr. Derek Jones Jr., by the way, is shooting like 23% from three this season, um, which kind of surprised me. Uh, I, I think I tweeted that out the other day. Like, did, did, did that number surprise you? Well, I think he just hit like a really bad streak for a while there, right? I mean, he missed like, I mean, you know, a dozen in a row or something. I mean, he's still, you know, he's not, he's shooting almost three a game and he's shooting 27%, 23%. I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, what he brings, and remember what he was talking, because he, he, he alluded to this last year, oh, he wanted to be a defensive player of the year. Um, I mean, he is a, he's, he's really good, man. Like, he's... he's um, Their offense has been sustained when he's on the floor, and I think in part it's due to offensive rebounding. And, like, their offensive rebounding numbers with him in are, are pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And despite him and Jimmy being non-shooters, they kind of, you know, Jimmy kind of leverages the offense by his free throw attempts. Like that guy gets to the rim and is like one of the league leaders in free throw rate and DJJ in offensive rebounding. So they're able to kind of offset their shortcomings as shooters and space with those other parts. I just have questions about in the playoffs, how is that going to look? And I think that's a legitimate question that at some point as we're approaching the trade deadline, we need to start asking like how much of this, you know, We've all seen teams that are good regular season teams and come playoff time, like the little cute stuff doesn't work. And some of the stuff with like the offensive rebounding when teams are trying a little harder, when they're scheming for it, uh, the free throw stuff when refs start swallowing their whistles more. um, I think we have to start asking questions like how long can Miami get away with really playing at times three non-shooters at the same time in the modern NBA, like Jimmy, Bam, and DJJ. And they need those guys. And justice when he comes back. Well, and then and that's the big piece of it that I feel like, like their history tells us that they're prone to hold on to DJJ and not deal them. Like they're not the team that generally cashes in on guys ahead of free agency a ton. I mean, they did with like Ike Austin in 1997, but y'all don't know about that shit. Um, Brent Baird, he sucked. Um, (laughs) Anyway, that's besides the point, like. So they're, they're probably more apt to hold on to DJJ, but I think a lot of that has to do with Justice. Like if Justice comes back in his full speed ahead, like the Justice of last year, late in the season or in the second half, like then maybe I think maybe you, you do look at that a little bit. But if he doesn't rise up to that same level when he's back out on the court, I, I don't know. Can you afford to lose DJJ and what he's bringing defensively and kind of just from an energy standpoint and the length, I don't know that they can afford to necessarily move him. Do you eat the draft pick and try to go get a Gallinari or something? Like, what do you, you know what I mean? At that, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what, like, there's going to come a point when push comes to shove that they need to make a decision on how all in and this year do they want to go. And I think that first round pick is probably their most valuable asset, that or Kendrick Nunn, because uh, Hero's just not going to get moved. Um, and so that's why I think it's at- going to come down to the last day because they're going to wait it out. To I mean, it's going to buzzer beater type shit. Brass, best guess. What do you think? What do you think happens? Oh man, I don't. Uh, I I really don't. I don't know. I I find it hard to believe they would really move none. I don't know. I, I have some I, I intuitive just... feeling that Chris Paul that 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 situation is going to resurface. I don't know why. It's not based uh, on. Any I think that makes a lot of sense all. in Milwaukee. It, there's just something. You, I don't know. I like them on the Bucks. I'm not gonna lie. I like. They better the do something, cause cause Giannis ain't gonna stick around for that bullshit. 
They're also so good. The Thunder are good, and they're giving Philly everything they can handle right now on the road. So, like, what if the Thunder? I mean, I, I'm sure the Thunder are gonna trade guys, but like, what if they don't you know what, want Leif, to? What if Leif, they decide? You know what? what if Sam Presti says, you know what? Let's ride this out. I'm on to you, Leif. I'm on to you. I see where you're doing there, and I like it. You you want you want Chris Paul to go to the Bucks because then you know the Bucks are never gonna make it to the finals. And if the Bucks never make it to the finals, then Giannis wants out of Milwaukee, and then boom, in Miami. I like chess. that, man. It's chess. If um, I, you know, it's kind of weird. Also, is that like the other Eastern Conference teams probably aren't going to really be trading with each other. Like I think no, that, right. like, those two through six. So like I, I don't see like I know that a lot of people have a lot of guys on Toronto as potential targets, but I don't really think that Miami they'd really deal with Miami at this point uh, if, as a conference rival. That's going to be good at the same time they're trying to be good. If Philly is still sort of scrambling down the line i mean they probably make a move i think that they're the most likely team to do something like i feel like they really have to because they're spiraling doesn't ben simmons seem like he'd be a good phoenix son with devin booker yeah he just looks like a phoenix son or like he does look like a phoenix son you're so right (laughs) yeah is that what a phoenix certainly not a team that you would expect to be in the finals he's going to be on one of those teams (laughs) i don't uh, know that I don't man, the Philly thing has been so fascinating. And listen, they're they're probably gonna be win a playoff series and be there. Man, that could be a potential first round matchup for Miami. Would you want Joel Embiid on the Heat? Yeah. Oh no, I quit Heat beat if that happens. He's so good. You have to take him. I mean, that's that's a generational defender. He's got nine I'll fingers. I'll find you team. Wow. Even if Jimmy was the one who like completely orchestrated it. I, I legitimately hate that guy. You would you would you guys you guys would really take Embiid with nine fingers? What happened to his hand? What oh. happened? Did I, I miss just... something? Oh you didn't see that? Yeah. No, I yeah, didn't see that. What did I miss? Yeah, his, his finger was bent backwards or sideways or Today? dislocated uh, finger, yeah. Uh, dislocated I, I didn't hear I didn't know what the hell the deal was. Not I normal. just saw a picture of it. Oh and my god. Gross. He's playing though. Wait, 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 Gianni, let's get your live reaction. I'm going to post the, the tweet of the video onto our group chat. By the I way, want the, you Celtics, react live. the Celtics lost to the Wizards, which means Miami is um, essentially tied for tied. second place in the East right now. See? So why the hell are we talking about trades? We're we're yeah, so that, ahead of schedule. It's it's why I'm I don't watching think. this, Joel, is uh, – let me see. Oh, my God! What the hell is that? Yeah. Do hands do that? No. Nope. Oh my god! What? It's like it. It's it's what? It's a, is that geometry? Like how did his? Ah. Oh. <laughs> That's a finger that lacks culture. <laughs> there we go. Oh my god. 